welcome to Tech Law Talks. I am Anthony Diana, a member of Reed Smith's Tech and Data Group. In each episode of this podcast, we will discuss cutting edge issues on technology, data, and the law. We will provide practical observations on a wide variety of technology and data topics to give you quick and actionable tips to address the issues you are dealing with every day. Hello, this is Anthony Diana, and welcome to Tech Law Talks. And today we're going to be doing a podcast on our regular series, M365 and 5, focusing on the e-discovery challenges associated with Teams channels and Teams sites. With me today are Matt Newington from Lighthouse and Samantha Walsh from Reed Smith. Welcome, guys. Okay, so today we want to talk about Teams channels, Teams sites. Uh, Before we start thinking about all the e-discovery challenges associated with it, is a really complicated product. So Matt, can you just give us a, a brief introduction to what Teams channels are and Teams sites are? Yeah, of course. So Teams is essentially the ultimate collaboration tool. Within your organization, you have essentially Teams is essentially split into two elements. We have Teams private chat, which will be your Teams one-to-one chats, your Teams one-to-many chats, and so on. And you'll also then have your Teams channels, which will be split into your Teams channels and your Teams private. Lots to go through there, but ultimately, the best way I like to compare this is to your favorite social media platforms. For example, in Teams channels, you can have the ability to create a channel which you can have an entire team giving access to, and that that team channel may be created for a specific project, and that team channel will allow everyone on that project to create posts, to create replies to posts, and that's where the social media kind of element comes in there, react to posts, like posts, and so on, essentially communicate about a specific project. It allows your team to add documents, collaborate on documents, create meetings and so on in an easy way. But of course, all that collaboration does then, of course, create more of an e-discovery challenge downstream, as we all know. So Matt, just in terms of some of the various pieces, you started talking about like this is a big collaboration tool, but could you just explain a little bit on what are all the different elements of a Teams channel or a Teams site that you have to consider from sort of a preservation collection standpoint? Yeah. So like I said before, Teams channels essentially allows you to conduct multiple different things. Communicate, allows you to collaborate on documents, allows you to join meetings together, allows you to collaborate on on other features such as whiteboards, wikis, and so on. Now, from an e-discovery standpoint, that can prove very challenging. You cannot just simply collect or preserve a team. There are many different features, which all those features I was mentioned there, which are stored in different ways and different locations. Now, for example, there are two main places that Teams data is stored. One is SharePoint and two is Exchange. So it's very important to note that when we're looking at a team, we're not just preserving, for example, with legal holds, we're not just preserving the Exchange mailbox associated with the team itself, but also the SharePoint site. So what is stored and you know what, what is stored where? So communications themselves, so that will be your posts and your replies within the actual Teams channel itself, as well as uh, any t- team private chats that you may have on the side, they are all stored in the Exchange mailbox. Now, that data is stored as single elements, so single messages. So one single post or one single chat would be stored as a single message within an Exchange mailbox that is associated with that team. If it's a team's private chat, which is separate, that will be stored within the mailboxes of the users associated with that private chat. 
and then any documents that are shared. So any documents that are uploaded to the team or shared to the team via the team, uh, collaborated on within the team itself, are also stored within the SharePoint site that's associated with that team. From a private chat standpoint, again, uh, any documents that are shared there would all be stored within the users' OneDrives who actually sent the documents. It's all well and good knowing that, okay, we know where the data is stored. We can just go and collect the data from those two locations, SharePoint and Exchange. No, that's that's not the best way to go, go about things. If you were to go ahead and let's say use eDiscovery standard, which used to be called eDiscovery core, and you were to go ahead and try and collect communication data for a Teams channel from a specific Exchange mailbox, what you'll get is individual emails of each individual chat within a specific timeframe, depending on the criteria you've used. Also, if you've used keywords, that's then only going to give you those specific lines of a chat where those keywords have actually been responsive to those records. So it's really important to know, okay, how do we actually collect it in a way that downstream doesn't require reconstruction or we're you know, missing data. And that's where the Microsoft's eDiscovery premium product kind of comes into play. So yes, you can use a standard product and you can export all of the data. You just have to be wary of using keywords and so on and you can then reconstruct that data downstream. However, the eDiscovery Premium product allows you to reconstruct those contextual conversations on collection, which essentially means that if you're running a collection across a team and you're looking at their, the communications, if you, uh, your keywords hit, for example, on a specific reply to a post, the eDiscovery Premium product will automatically go and collect all contextual communications around that reply. So in the team's channel, example, if you hit on a reply, it would pull up all of the other replies as well as the main post that was sent. What it'll also do is go out and reach out and grab any attachments that have also been sent. So any modern attachments, any documents that have been sent or collaborated on during that post, for example, it would go ahead and grab that document from the SharePoint site without you having to search the SharePoint site associated with the team at the same time. So if you're only concerned with communications, but you also want you want the context around those communications with the documents, eDiscovery Premium would be the way to go. Whereas eDiscovery Standard will only give you your individual messages. You won't be able to run keywords in the same way, and it will not go out and collect those modern attachments. So you will have to essentially collect data from everywhere, which will increase the amount of data that is going to have to be reconstructed or reviewed downstream. Pretty much a nightmare if you have standard. Yeah. It, it can be a nightmare. Seems by design by Microsoft to sort of push everybody into the premium product because it's almost, I mean, it, it's a nightmare, I think, if you're doing a Teams channel collection using standard, uh, given all the work that has to be done downstream. So one of the things I want to talk about, Sam, uh, from a legal perspective, and, and I think this is really important, is, and, and Matt sort of mentioned it, this is, this is a sea change in terms of how people communicate and why it matters for from I think a legal perspective is, you know, right now your people are making representations that we're putting all e-coms on hold, right? Emails, Teams, chats, and some messaging. We're putting it all hold by custodian. The problem with Teams, as Matt was sort of saying, is if you're communicating with a Teams in a Teams channel, that is in the Teams channel mailbox. It's not in my own mailbox. So even if I'm communicating, it's not necessarily going to be in my Exchange mailbox, it could be in a Teams mailbox. And that's obviously a big deal when we start thinking about, okay, normally what I do is I find a bunch of custodians, get a date range, negotiate with the other side, search terms, whatever. That's going to change. So 
if you could just give a little highlight or brief introduction, like wh what do you do about that? And, and how, how do you approach that from a, from a legal perspective? Yeah, I mean, I think that even though there is this chat and communication aspect to a team site, it's more of a collaboration space and where you have people who are members of numerous channels or sites. If you try to take the same approach to team sites that you do to email, where it's really no big deal to, to put someone's email on hold for a date range, I think you're going to end up in trouble pretty quickly in terms of over-preservation. You know, you can't, you're going to end up effectively putting, you know, potentially a good number of your team sites on, on hold just by virtue of custodial access, and it, it's not going to work. But if you look at, at team sites as something that's more analogous to maybe a SharePoint or a ShareDrive with additional features to make collaborating around the content, you know, easier for people, then you can start to take more of a non-custodial approach to how you're going to preserve team sites. It's definitely something that is going to require more upfront investigation than e-coms. You're not just going to be able to use key players and date ranges for team sites to put them on hold. It's Again, they're going to be more content-based, and so it's going to be the subject matter of the, the site or channel it's probably going to require, you know, an assessment of, of relevance, of potential relevance at the point that you go to place sites on hold. And, and so, Sam, so how, just in terms of sort of the changing nature of how legal is going to address this, what are, what are some of the options in terms of identifying relevant team sites? If we're not going to go with everybody who has access to a team site, we're just going to put them on hold. What are legal teams' options there? Yeah, I think probably you're going to have to talk to people, talk to your custodians, whether you do that through interviews, asking people interviews, you know, at the start of, of a matter, asking people whether they've used team sites in, you know, this, the work that is relevant to the matter, sending out surveys to your custodians with the legal holds, asking if there are any shared environments that they're aware of that might have relevant data in them. And I think probably there, there's like a governance point here that, you know, you can do some things up front maybe to around team sites to make them easier to identify or easier to assess for relevance. Yeah, I think that's one of the things we went over and I think in our governance section on teams channels was and team sites is as part of a governance, they have to actually put accurate descriptions of what is actually in that team site so that. If you were looking at a report, you could actually read it and say, okay, this is relevant because it's relating to project ABC or whatever it is. That would make it easier for either outside counsel or the custodians to figure out which ones may actually be relevant. So it's all, it all comes together. Good governance means easier e-discovery. Hey, thanks, Sam. And then Matt, sort of the final point, which I don't think we talked about yet. One of the great things about Teams channels and collaboration is Microsoft wants to have all these apps that can be used within that Teams site and Teams channel. You have to get a little background on what that is and what are the discovery challenges associated with having some of those apps in there. Yeah, so third-party apps, I mean, 
it, it it will in the future prove to be a, a you know a challenge free discovery you may find you'll have apps which will third party apps will essentially try and enhance the capabilities of teams by introducing you know either apps that are created by users within a team for example within an organization so custom apps that way or off the shelf apps which a lot of people will be aware of already but just have then gives the ability to interconnect with teams itself now this obviously provides quite a challenge free discovery because the data that is gen depending on what the app is if it can increase the the communication capabilities add content that way it's really around okay how is that data then going to actually be captured is it going to be stored in the exchange mailbox of the team of the team itself is it going to be stored on sharepoint we've seen in the past examples of where data is actually stored within its own azure storage container which again you know by itself presents e-discovery challenges because of the microsoft e-discovery tool by nature does not have the ability to directly you know collect from and search azure storage containers without further configuration and if you you know if you've got these third-party apps connected to teams channels team sites which you know, you're not aware of, for example, you may, from an e-discovery standpoint, not realize that you're, you know, not collecting those points. Now, of course, Microsoft are constantly updating their tools. You may see in the future that where, you know, uh, third-party apps which contribute to communications and so on, or edit the way that communications are made, will will cater for that. But again, it's, it's something which is relatively new in, 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 the, in the whole team space. And I think, to Matt, to your point, it's you, you can't just, and this is sort of goes to the earlier point, is you can't just say, you know, you can't tell your IT folks, put teams on hold because you really have to understand the nuances to understand what data is actually there and what's what needs to be preserved or collected or for that matter. So again, wildly complicated subjects. I think we'll have further podcasts on some other issues that maybe have downstream implications for Teams channels and team sites. So stay tuned. Thanks, Matt and Sam. Very informative. And uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. Tech Law Talks is a Reed Smith production. Our producer is Ali McArdle. For more information about Reed Smith's tech and data practice, please email techlawtalks at reedsmith.com. You can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and reedsmith.com. And our social media accounts at LLP on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. This podcast is provided for educational purposes. It does not constitute legal advice and is not intended to establish an attorney-client relationship, nor is it intended to suggest or establish standards of care applicable to particular lawyers in any given situation. Prior results do not guarantee a similar outcome. Any views, opinions, or comments made by any external guest speaker are not to be attributed to Reed Smith LLP or its individual lawyers. All rights reserved.